Kitchen. Hello, gentles all. Welcome to What You Will. A tedious and brief Shakespeare podcast. I'm Charlotte Aline. And I'm Danielle Cohn. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted them to think that, like, pregnant well, pause. Did they, did they pause it? Like, I hope a bunch of people just shuffled in their bags, like, oh no, did it pop? But then it didn't. It was just me being a trickster. Just creating chaotic neutral. Uh, we're here to talk some more about our favorite play and yours. Two gentlemen, gentlemen of Verona. Uh, uh, good. Uh, a good play that we have lots of thoughts about. Yeah. <laughs> There's a dog in it. We, we, did, we love dogs, dog we, we like. said, in case you didn't hear the cat <laughs> meowing in the background. For a meowed in protest. <laughs> so we, we kind of, we talked, um, I think we covered most of the major characters of the play. And sort of the major themes yeah, that it's so we're done. A, a this is it. The rest of the next hour is just going to be us um, talking about other stuff. A problematic mire of uh, gender and um, social dynamics. Uh, we talked about how Game of Thrones is bad. Now the end was bad. Yeah, we did talk a bit about Speaking that. Of bad gender dynamics. Gosh, yeah. <sighs> but something so something that I would love to, to delve a little bit deeper into or, or more specifically into is that this play, because it is one of Shakespeare's earliest plays, um, it has a lot of sort of the, the major tropes in it. Um, yeah. Some of it, them get turned on their head a little bit, but a lot of them are interesting in that we see them laying the groundwork for things that later he'll explore more deeply and sort of fuck up a little. So, yeah. yeah, it's a lot that's played straight. <laughs> um, you know, it, yeah. Julia's cross-dressing isn't really, it's not really a big source of comedy, nor is it a big source of that character uh, gaining more freedom. So you, or power. Think, or power. Um, I think you like Sylvia more than I do. But um, I, I do I think do. even... I like her more than you yes. do. Um, <laughs> I don't just like her. I just think she's this sort of proto, um, Diana, Diana, proto Olivia a little bit. Yeah. I mean, um, Olivia is the one we're building. Nobody's like, Oh, Diana, that great Shakespeare character <laughs> from all's well that ends well. character, Diana from <laughs> all's well that ends well. Um, <laughs> Helena's friend kind of, um, Freya, don't. She goes on the keyboard when we can't, when we're trapped by the podcast and we can't tell her not to. She did get off of it, though. She's a good, good girl. Freya's our cat. Freya's our cat. I think that's established. Clear by now, probably. Um, Because at least once a podcast, she eats something she oughtn't to and the kitchen (laughs) screams. Those are the two things. I know, our kitchen kitchen doesn't scream to this whole podcast. Well, I didn't make coffee today. I just uh, drank old coffee. I, like, refrigerated half of it, and I was like, well, I have my iced coffee, and then I wanted more coffee, so I did just drink the old coffee that had been in the pot for a day mm. with my my mouth and body consumed <laughs> That's that. a thing that's now inside of you, <laughs> is what you're me. saying. Yeah, so that's where that's I feel where like I'm at some at. point in the podcast, um, I'm just going to be like, beep, and good. we'll go kitchen. Kitchen. Okay. It's like one of those pieces of media of like adults who live in like a horrifying living house, like a Pee Wee's Playhouse or mm. a, a, was it like the big blue couch or something? Yeah, 
Oh, there's two the one, things. The there's, clown woman. Who, there's the clown woman with the big couch, and there's the bear in the big blue I'm house. I'm conflating the two. Because the, the clown it's woman It's not who called lives, the clown woman and the big couch. She lives with her living, the big clown her horrifying ca- I'm gonna, living dog. The big comfy Google. couch. That's The it. big comfy couch. It's a clown. It's a huge. I it's used a to clown. love that She's show. a clown. I bet if I watched it now, I'd be scared of it. Well, she's a clown. She's a clown. Is she human dressed as a she's clown? An she's an adult clown. clown. And she, but she, like, clowns are human. No, but clown is her profession. Wait, what species do you think no, clowns are? No, okay, but clown are. isn't her profession. She's not like a clown and then she comes home oh. and she takes her... Within the fiction, which in the ri- within the rich fiction of the world, it's not like she's a human woman who works as a clown. She's just a clown. But that's do you anything with clowns. Like that piece of media presupposes that the clown is just a clown. Like that's how clowning works. Is you're like I am a it's clown. It's true. I guess you just there when are, you put the not... nose on. No, there's all sorts of rules. I took a clowning class in college. When you have the nose on, you're not allowed to not be a clown. Right. But like the... if you want a p- quick pause, you gotta take the nose off. It's but, a whole thing. But the thing it's like is, a, it's but the, I just feel like you don't see a lot of clown media where it's like, and this is my couch. Like, this yeah. is my living room. <laughs> and I'm a clown, and he, and I, this is my living room. And my and she had, like, a doll that was alive. I do remember that. I was going to say, she's, she was, like, an adult woman. She was A playful a, adult clown. She was... <laughs> but there were other smaller adults. There were smaller well, humans the, that weren't adults. Was... Was I the feel doll like it child? was a small. It was either a doll or her. Ch- I think was it, it was her, her little was sister. Was it her child? It well the, now we're in a, a Barbie Kelly scenario where like the lines between daughter and little sister have just been blurred. blurred by virtue of like it being children's media and also like a children's toy with Barbie and Kelly. It's like I guess it's Is, your imagination. Oh, I just went really dark with my thoughts. What? There. Well, because like. Like, what if she's mourning her child? Well, that's because well, I was thinking, like... One clown doll clown never doll. used. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> One comfy couch never used. Uh, well, oh, my God. Look at this terrifying Jesus picture of her. Jesus Christ. So I just Googled this so I could bicycle. get to the bottom of this. She looks... this. That's if you so Google upsetting. just for yourself... What's her name? Big comfy couch. What, no, what's... Her name isn't couch. <laughs> no, I'm well, saying... Big comfy couch and her clown doll. Lunette. Lunette. That's checked out. <laughs> Lunette. Oh, look at that very serious uh, headshot. Lunette's... No, okay, but... Because the doll is clearly housing a spirit of some kind because it it, it has an animus within it. Because it, it is alive. It human, I thought. But now all what these pictures... The, what do you mean it becomes... It doesn't become human. Oh, it but doesn't. The doll it's is just a, a doll. It is not a Zabumafu situation where the doll eats a snack and then goes from But the doll is also a clown. That's what I'm... Have you not been listening to me for this whole conversation? The clown is a doll. The doll is a clown, but the doll also houses an animus of some kind because it is sentient and does move despite being a doll. So the doll holds a spirit. We call that a puppet. What I'm saying is this is it the spirit of her dead child? There's no evidence to support that. Uh, my opinion on Two Gentlemen of Verona is I'm very excited for the Dark Crystal prequel. Oh gosh, my t- opinion on Susan Verona is why is the second picture puppets. when you Google big comfy couch? She's like cross-eyed, I guess, but there's just no pupils well, in the, the eyes. The subtext was she that they were possessed. all in hell. That was the subtext of the big comfy couch. It was like a no oh, exit situation. Those are adults. Oh, there, there, are, there other are other clowns? human clown adults. 
All I, my only memory of Big Comfy Couch I is... I think she's an adult playing sort of a childlike figure, and then the is, other clowns are more like adult figures. Okay, no, I think the doll is a doll within the fiction of the world. It's like a doll but alive. Yeah, I think that that's out. That's why I'm saying it's a haunted doll, because it's... I don't think it's her child, or I think it's her doll. Gosh, I just remember thinking this show was so fun, and again, I just feel like if I revisited it, I would be so scared. That's a lot of that's a lot Just of children's media. So much children's media. Okay, so here's the well, thing no, about the okay, tropes so here's and two the, gentlemen Here's the Verona. connection. Please Ready? Connect I don't them. have Bring any. I don't have any thoughts yet. But Bring I'm hoping it if I keep talking with words keep coming out of my mouth, I'll eventually find a connection between Big Comfy Couch and this play. I mean, I guess if you have really the set pieces of this play are the clowning. Um, and I think if you do have a crab, a, couch a crab same. doll. A, the dog if the dog is some kind of dollar puppet you do have that that element that sort of blurring of reality um i also think in the same way that the big comfy couch presupposes a kind of um safety and uh, uh magical thinking within one's own home which especially is very um powerful as a child you're like well within my own home i have this sort of agency and this power to uh, play imaginatively and have everything that I want that I don't necessarily have in the outside world. Um, this play employs one of a trope that Shakespeare explores in much more depth later in his work, which is sort of leaving the safety of civilization, the home, um, for the outside world, the woods, which is within his society and the society of his characters seems to represent some kind of brutality and uh, wilderness but in fact we see time and time again that the woods and sort of the uncontrolled breakdown of society and the the magic of the woods actually kind of yields more civilization and more uh civilized thought and behavior for you don't do that than you get in the town i want a sentence <laughs> diagram of that i want to chart the grammar of that very long sentence you went on a journey you were possessed by this is how you can tell that we were gifted kids right is you're just like Oh, I will connect the big comfy couch to the tropes of William Shakespeare. There is someone listening who's like, oh, I think I missed something. And is like going to go back the 15 seconds to be like, oh, the, I thought they were just vamping on the big comfy couch. Is it, is it related to, is it based on two gentlemen of Verona? That's sort of my non-Euclidean uh, connection between the big comfy couch and two gents. But I do want to talk about how. Yes, how they're in related. The, in the woods. Yes. Um, outside of the home. We. I mean, you know, it's sold to us as this is a place of, like, outlaws and danger. Um, but then we see that, one, the outlaws really aren't all that dangerous. Yeah. Two, the two gents themselves are dangerous. Are more dangerous to the world. Not Valentine, but yes. Not Valentine. He's, he's harmless. Um, but also this idea of dressing in drag for safety's sake, and then the real danger comes from the man she's trying to marry. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, again, and I think that all of these are cool in that they are tropes that later will be sort of exploded a little bit, right? Um, but even the idea in this case, he's already starting to play with the woods as they are supposed to be a place of chaos and of danger. But when you go into the woods, you're actually finding safety and camaraderie mm -hmm, and everything mm -hmm, comes mm -hmm, to light. Mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm, um, which, uh, later Stephen Sondheim would write his musicalized <laughs> two gentlemen of the woods into the woods. Um, don't, 
that's not so a relationship. Not Don't think that. Don't think that. Um, but the idea of Into the Woods as a place that, oh, God, just... It's a weird... It, what's hard and weird about Two Gents, besides that it's this horrifying, problematic play where it's like sexual assault at the end, but a joke kind of, but not really. Um, yeah, that it, it makes it really hard to read and watch in this day and age. Uh, and any day and age, really, just like as a woman. It, it's um, a hard pill to swallow this story and the idea that we're supposed to be kind of rooting for Proteus and even Valentine on any level. But it is also this weird car crash of different Shakespearean ideas that he explores later. Um, I think we see his clowns. Clearly, in, this play feels like he was like, okay. Chock full of clowns. The people love clowns. They're all going to be clowns. A murder of clowns. Um, but <laughs> it does feel like kind of he really enjoyed writing the clowns, and that's where he's exercising more creativity than in this sort of a little bit stock Structure of yeah. the young lovers. Boy meets girl, boy meets girl. And I do think we kind of see that idea complicated a lot as he goes on and we see clownish. His clowns evolve. Yeah. His clowns evolve. His clowns become weirder and sadder. His clowns become fools. His clowns become fools. We see a lot of his main characters kind of take on these pontificating clown-esque properties. I mean, I can't see any Hamlet, any way of getting to Hamlet where you don't go through all of these weird, thoughtful, sad clowns and fools along the way to get to this character, you know? Yeah, and Polonius. I mean, I know he's not the same. And Polonius. But, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, Polonius is the, the pontificating <laughs> clown at least, At least Polonius is the, uh, the comic relief. Uh, but I, I just mean that Shakespeare's later characters, his later uh, protagonists, your Rosalinds, your Hamlets... Um, they all sort of have like a little bit of this this clown DNA in them. Absolutely, and I think even the idea in a Hamlet of getting to a more nuanced place of how do you have a person so three-dimensional that they can do things that hurt other people and we still care about them mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. we haven't mastered it here in this play yet. No. Um, but we're starting to explore it. Of, of none of these characters are perfect. I, I will give them that. There's no, like, and the young lovers are, you know, like in Commedia where you've just got your stock characters. Mm -hmm. um, all of these young lovers are have at least a flaw. Valentine's a little dumb. <laughs> Sylvia, I guess Sylvia's a little bit flawless, but she's sort of not, she's the least developed. Yeah. And then your Julia, she's a little bit vain. She's a little bit, uh, she doesn't advocate for herself. She's a little bit impulsive. Um, and then Proteus, we've discussed ad nauseum all yeah. of his Yeah, I think Julia's interesting because she's this prototype of the character who becomes the protagonist of Shakespeare's later plays. Yeah. Uh, Rosalind and Viola. Even P Portia, I wouldn't call necessarily the, the single protagonist of Merchant, but... She's definitely one of them. She definitely, this feels like a, a blueprint for Portia, who I think is the most complicated in terms of not a good person, but very smart and interesting and three-dimensional. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as a character. And, I mean, yeah, I, I don't want to make a unilateral judgment call on Portia, but... Especially not in our Two Gents podcast. Portia's racist. You heard it here first in our Two Gents podcast, and that's part of the plot, and she's supposed to be, and it's a, a dimension of that play. Not this play. This one doesn't de deal with race or religion at all. No. Um, thank God. Yeah. 
Yeah, with, just I mean, for this play. No, I mean I have no problem with plays doing that, but I, well, yeah, not not we at this early stage. Bill Bill wasn't ready. Yeah, we don't want to see Shakespeare's take on uh, Proteus as also a racist. <laughs> um, yeah, so it is interesting that Julia has kind of so little to do. Although I, I to give her credit, she isn't. She doesn't have that Helena vibe of self loathing like she certainly could have some higher self-esteem julia honey you don't need to date a man who goes on a gap year and falls in love with someone else and stops returning your skype calls but she she doesn't you know she's she's like well but i'm pretty and i'm as good as sylvia and i don't understand why he's not in love with me she doesn't turn it inward in that way yeah she's plucky um Mm -hmm. i i like that julia is plucky she feels like honestly she's a a young teen character that we don't get a lot in media period Mm -hmm. where she's kind of average but in like a fun way (laughs) where she's just like you know she's probably watches instagram makeup tutorials and like is medium good at them you know what i mean like she's happy to just like be doing her life and uh, I think that's also part of why we don't get this character like breaking what the pants role is because that's not what she's there to do she's just there to you know see your boyfriend you know yeah I mean both of them I mean we could get all of those things but again I think this character she's I think we expect her to be something she's not but she's just kind of plucky and Mm -hmm. and doing doing her best yeah, I do think both of the women in this play, for all that the gender dynamics are a whole nightmare, uh, th- they're not, like, they're basic in this very... Like a n- fun like one. Not, yeah, they're never, they're not, I mean, unless you're gonna go out of your way in your production to portray them as, like, bimbos or overly vain, they're really not. No. They're, n- like, Julie has a, they, they both have a little bit of vanity, but the men are really you know carrying most of the flaws oh yeah i'm saying instagram makeup tutorials because i was just trying to think of like what what does gen z do i don't know (laughs) you know what i mean for all i know i don't know maybe she's watching contrapoints videos you know she's uh, yeah uh, also shout out everyone should watch contrapoints watch contrapoints videos julia isn't she's not that sophisticated but uh yeah yeah, she's just like living her happy her happy life yeah no i i I don't Um, think no i don't think you were disagreeing i just wanted to clarify Mm -hmm. that because because there are you know vain characters in shakespeare but these these are both beautiful women, but they're neither one uh, has any particular language about that. I think what my what drags me the most. Also, these Julia's days, got two of the fun, really funny monologues. I mean, they're unfortunately they're like situationally funny. Like it's not like oh, Julia, the most clever of the characters. But yeah. if you're a lady looking for some monologues, I mean, the Proteus one is super overdone, but you know the other one's really funny. She has some some fun like prop comedy with the letter and yeah, beginning. she's just like flustered and trying to do her best. I was just gonna say yeah. what drags me the most these days is when I watch like a YouTube video of like a hot young girl YouTuber, and she's like, "To all of my followers, I know you're all like in high school and college," and I'm like, "I turned 26 this month, <laughs> <laughs> and here I am watching this video." Um, so that's in that way, I feel very seen by Julia that she she feels young she feels like I'd love to see I want someone to make me I want Lucas Nath that that's that his name I think it's Nath Nath yes him Lucas to do a two gents part two to make me a two gents part two where it's just like Julia and Sylvia uh having a a slumber party abscond together oh no having a a torrid affair and running off together (gasps) and leaving the two men behind oh I love that yeah so I mean, the slumber party also could be when they're gone. And then, and the dog can come too. Aww. 
are here today with my good friend David Merton. Say hi, David. Hi, David. Um, <laughs> um, David, will you uh, talk a little bit about like, who are you? Why are you here? Oh my gosh, that's yes. a good question. <laughs> on this earth, I ask myself like, that on the daily. Um, I'm David. Yes. I'm an actor. Good. Yes. Nice. Where do you live? I live in New York City. Great. I live on the uh, Upper West Side. Mm. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, How's yeah. your day been so far? My day's good. Great. I can't complain. It's so sunny out. It's so warm. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm here. Yeah. Excellent. Um, so David and I were actually in a production of Two Gentlemen of Verona together. Um, so we felt like like David would be a good person to chat with about this play. Yeah. There's not. We were talking earlier. There's not that many people out there who uh, who have done it. Think there's who, just a handful, yeah, or, or who love it in, or in who, any, or who in any way. Love it, yeah, yeah. So, can you talk a little bit about your connection to this play? Totally. So, I uh, played Proteus. Yeah, like what's the name? No, <laughs> I played Proteus, a, a gentleman of Verona. Yes, one, one of the, the two. One of the two. There's only two, and I was one of the two. Great. Um, in a in a summer stock in a summer stock yeah. Shakespeare Festival production in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And uh, which is where the office precisely. is located. Claim, claim to fame. That's their thing. Uh, and so I was in a I was in a product an all male. There's production. no chilies there though. There is no that chili. was disappointing. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah the office lied to us. You can yeah. take a whole tour of like all the places in Scranton because they actually did a lot of quick sidebar about the office. This is a podcast <laughs> about Channel John Miranda that's actually about the office. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, they actually went to like local businesses to get like magnets so that the magnets on the fridge are actual local businesses. Oh, awesome. Like they did all sorts of things like that and then there's a Chili's which is just uh, apparently not there. No. Anyway, so we so did the we show. Did, we did the show. We yes. didn't go to Chili's and <laughs> um, it was actually an all male production of Interesting. Two Gentlemen of Verona. Yes. Which we can talk about as well, but I uh, think is is an interesting take mm-hmm. on a show such as this one in like 2018 or 2000, I guess it was 2017, but in this current time mm-hmm. where everything is a statement, because that's life. Yeah. Well, and also this play particularly, I mean... It's the, a toughie. Oh, yeah, a di- plays deal what do you think about gender it? Dynamics. Well, yeah, gender yeah, dynamics. Let's just dive on in. So, yeah. Especially hard. <laughs> so yeah. I'm an, I think I'm an interesting, uh, per, you know, person to, to ask about this mm-hmm. because I tend to lean more towards like I don't I personally don't love like all male things mm-hmm. like I don't have I, I never liked hanging out with unless all males unless it's a relationship I, yeah. unless, it's a, unless it's a spoiler alert unless it's a relationship sorry ladies um, yeah I mean I've never been I mean most of my friends are female I prefer to work with female creative teams mm-hmm. I prefer I love being in a cast where I'm the only boy like I'm all into that um so for me, I was sort of like, huh. Um, and this play in particular, I would almost say that I think it would work better with all women, actually. Yes. Like a men on boats kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt, and I do think it works. I mean, it works if you yeah, put intention so, behind it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Go ahead, please. Well, I was gonna say so. So let's let's specifically about that production, but more in general no, about the gender. Well, that's but it. that's yeah, what yeah. I mean. I mean, that's what I mean about the play as well. Yeah. Like, I think because of that 
experience. Well, and that experience, and also it is such a male centric play. Yeah. yeah. And then especially the the lens in which, and I had a great time doing that production, and I really enjoyed it. But <laughs> I mean, really, I loved I loved that production and that cast. But I did, <laughs> I do, and I had such a positive experience playing mm-hmm. that role in that environment. But I will say, like, for me, already coming at it with the gender dynamics of the play, and then the lens I experienced it in an all male yeah. cast, like. It was, it's especially interesting because it would not be the subject matter that I think I would naturally be drawn to. Mm-hmm. Like, you In know, I prefer, way. well, it's just so, I mean, it's the definition of a, of a story where men do bad things. Mm-hmm. One could argue based on their naivete, but they do bad things mm-hmm. to get what they want. Yeah. And then they do get what they want, yep. and they quickly sort of half-heartedly apologize, and everything's okay. Yeah. And then the curtain comes down, and we're like, "All oh, good." So that's hard for you know. Yeah. It's like not, the, not necessarily the lesson that men need in this day and yeah, age. Yeah. No, right. <laughs> right. And there are things like rape, and there are things like <laughs> there are things like there rape. are things like rape, <laughs> yes. and there are things sure, like. Like, uh, you know, it's, it's very, the women are very much possessions yeah. and, and trophies to be won and things to be passed around that it's, it's just, it's, it's hard, it's hard to sort of stomach today. Yeah. Does, yeah. It, does it feel like having an all male production almost tries to erase like the, the problem, the like difficult, uncomfortable gender dynamics yeah. of the play rather yes. than like delving Making into them and getting more, it uncomfortable? Yeah. Yeah. I would say that it, it does a little of Gotcha. I mean, I'll play devil's advocate here, mm-hmm. and I say sure. that it does a little bit of both. I think it it heightens the ridiculousness yeah. of this boys' club, which yeah. I think is is good. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah, I would say it, it it almost makes it clownish in a way, mm-hmm. which is useful so as to not sort of say that this is good or right. Like it makes it ridiculous. It sort mm-hmm. of camps it up a bit. Um, but then I would also say that it it does further this sort of journey into like, I can't think of a better word than dehumanizing, but yeah. the, like the, the female over. characters. Yeah. 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 It sort of makes them even a little bit more, they're already, they already have less to do. Yeah. <laughs> they already are sort of manic pixie dream girls. Right. And then on top of that, we are, we are putting men in, in dresses, which because of the world we live in, like makes it comedy. Which it is. I mean, it's a it's a comedy as far as its <laughs> yeah, label, <yeah>. but <laughs> and it is. There's a lot of funny stuff. What but, do you think is the funniest part in this play? Huh. <laughs> I think it's <laughs> like I have jumped or on is that there one. any? Is funny there a funny part in this play? Think, but it is a play that's got a lot of different bits. I'm curious if there, anyone say, stands out or that you remember. Fondly. I would say the bits of um, Speed and Launce. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that's just funny, especially Speed. I mean, I. I always thought that if I ever did that play, I would play Speed. Mm. Like, I never really <laughs> thought I would ever play Proteus. And I think I'm a, I'm a, a bit of a different take on, on Pro- Like, I'm not, like, some, you know, golden boy football kind of guy, which I think You're is... You're not? A, I know, right? You can't see me through the speaker, but I'm not. Um, and I would just say that, like... But I think because I'm not that sort of, you know, jockey kind of, like, man among men... I think I tried to to bring a sort of softness and mm. confusion to Proteus. This is actually something I wanted to ask you about. Yeah. So we've, we've discussed a lot at this point um, how problematic a character Proteus is, 
But at the end of the day, assuming people are going to keep doing Two Gentlemen of Verona, uh-huh. actors and actresses <laughs> are going to have to figure out how to play Proteus. So I'm curious what your experience was on that role and what you yeah. sort of did to get through so, it or yeah. found challenging totally. or interesting. So I'm going to get a little actor here with you for a, that's, for a, that's for a moment. That's why I brought I'm, you on. Uh-huh. And I'm going to reference a different Shakespeare show, uh-huh. show, play, play practice. Um, I'm going to reference a different... <laughs> I was in a production of Romeo and Juliet when I was in college. Mm. And I played Count Paris, which is neither here nor there, but I might as well say it because we're talking about Shakespeare. And I remember <laughs> I was sitting, I was like 19, uh-huh. and I was sitting in the back of the rehearsal space and I was watching them uh, rehearse this uh, a Tybalt and I believe it's the Tybalt Mercutio scene. I, uh, it was either when we first meet Tybalt or it was right before his death scene, I can't recall. But mm-hmm. he says a, Tybalt says a particularly nasty line about, you know, the Montagues. <laughs> What's the word? The Montagues. And it's only, it's, you, nobody's really heard of Romeo and Juliet. It's a little done. Uh, so you'll forgive yeah, me. Yeah, that's one you gotta get right. Yeah, huh? right. I was like, Montagues. Uh, and he says a particularly nasty line. And uh, I said sort of accidentally out loud to myself, mm-hmm. gosh, he's, a, he's an asshole. <laughs> to myself. And yeah. my, uh, the director, a, a particularly icy woman who I adored mm-hmm. but was very sharp and like, she, like all the best theater teachers like all yes. the best women of the American <laughs> theater wing and she turned around she whipped her head around and she said what if he's not and she said what if he's only doing exactly what he thinks is best in this moment mm-hmm. what if this is his only tactic his only option to save himself to save mm-hmm. his family name to live and and she said and also I find that statement reductive and I think it's not helpful to the space. You have to advocate for your character or they die. <laughs> and I went in the bathroom and cried. And then later, oh, no. later realized how, how ne- necessary that is. So that little tangent was she all... She also then took out a dagger and stabbed you through the heart. She stabbed through my organs. Um, and I... But, but that's, that tangent is mm-hmm. to say that I have come to cling to the idea that like if you don't find a way to advocate for your character there is no truth there is no life Mm -hmm. um and no matter the things they do that's the page that's the story that's what we have to work with and that's what we have to advocate through so when i was given this script this role to breathe life into uh i had to figure out a way to advocate for him um and and i think the best answer i came up with (laughs) was 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 naivete, mm-hmm. uh, confusion, um, privilege. Yeah. That was the best thing I came up with, was was this idea of like, okay, well, put yourself in the lens of this person and, and their privilege. Like, yeah. when you walk through the world thinking you can have whatever you want, not that, that you can... Not that that's good. Not that that's <laughs> but defensible. But there are people who walk through the but world But there are people way. who walk that way based on how they were raised, based on the money they have, based on where they are in life. Maybe a white male. Yep. Maybe. And, <laughs> Maybe. And Perhaps. they... I'm Lebanese, but for intents and purposes, <laughs> we'll call it white. And they walk through the world, and, and that's their lens. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think that's how I tried to view it. It's mm-hmm. not that it's good, but it is... It is what it is, and that causes you to do things and say things and treat people in a specific way. Yeah. And so that's how I defended it, um, and how I think 
I tried to come at it from a place of like, my only goal was that I wanted the audience to walk away and feel bad for hating me. Yeah. Feeling like they wanted to not. That's good. It's because it's a balance like of that. not letting him off the hook, but yeah, still exactly. honoring that he's a person. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think also the the tragedy of this comedy is twofold. One that you walk away and you're like. Sylvia and Julia, no, like someone call a hotline and get them out of the situation. No, poor but, Stockholm syndrome. But also that you're like Proteus started this play from a place of such like I love love and I'm I'm ha- right. like th- that you want to if he's just from top to bottom a horrible bro and you hate him, it's a it's a very unpleasant. Why are play. we here? Why are we here? Why are we watching this story? If you're watching it and you're like this is a boy who someone could have intervened and put him on a better path earlier and he could have been better and had potential. And he kind of, you know, got lost in this haze of privilege and naivete and whatnot and, you know, dr- drank the Kool-Aid of thinking sure. women are possessions. Then that's, that's more, that tragic hit, and more, <laughs> more tragic. And, more and uh, this play is a pretty tragic comedy. And you could also say that, like, let's say that for, for argument's sake, let's cut out the, the rape. Let's say that, let's, do, let's watch the play up until this point. Mm-hmm. And even maybe... a a little bit of the deception to Valentine, but other than that, like he's a, he's a Romeo, you know? I mean, he's, he sees a woman who he, and he immediately loves her and, and follows that sort of blind love or lust, whatever you want to call it. Like, like a dog in the night, like Mm. can't do anything else, but eat, sleep and breathe this idea of her. And that's, you know, so, so at his core, you could argue that like, it's the, it's the endless pursuit of love. He does it in the wrong way. Yeah. You catch more flies with honey than you do vinegar, <laughs> my dear. But, <laughs> so don't but, betray but, your friends. but you still, if you lead yeah. with that, it's still a person. Well, yeah. And I also think it's really interesting and, and relevant and important to portray characters who have good and noble intentions mm-hmm. that are based in this intensity of feeling. And their good intentions don't really save them from d- committing horrible acts. Yeah. Like, well, they're... and also the worst acts in the world are often committed with the best of intentions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the road to hell, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, and I, I also, I think we, we mentioned this earlier, but this is kind of like the play that the people who hate Romeo and Juliet think Romeo and Juliet is, in terms sure. of, like, like, just love and obsession and infatuation becoming this, like, gross toxic thing that doesn't actually honor what the other person is feeling exactly whereas i think it would actually be kind of interesting to run it in rep with Romeo that's and Juliet. What, I, what i'm saying is yeah. let's have a production of two gents where every scene in verona you see romeo and juliet happening in the background and it's just oh not, my god just because not the difference because i think the important difference and again this we've talked about a little bit uh-huh. but is that in romeo and juliet brief as it is we do get a couple moments of connection between uh-huh. the two of them and there's consent and there's yes. consent <laughs> exactly <laughs> but vital consent both in, in like Juliet you know, is, is super into it and has too. a whole monologue being like I'm so excited to have sex sure yeah, and it's yeah. Good. but so I would say and that that's okay. how yeah, I yeah. came that's how I came no that's at great Codius, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is I was like I don't I don't necessarily like any of the things he does yeah. but I have to do them and yeah. I have to advocate um, and, and come at it with a sense of truth so mm-hmm. I tried to bring a softness to it despite some of the nastiness that is inherently in the play. Yeah. That's beautiful. Um, Do you feel like there's any, there are any parts of this play in particular that you find 
to be sort of early sketches of later mm-hmm. Shakespeare plays that you you find interesting? Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, be honest with you and, yeah. and ask a question which I'm sure you sure. do know the answer to. That's okay. When, how early? This is one of his yeah, first plays. I know that, right? Yeah. But it's yeah. not the first, right? Like it's, no, I believe... It's like I'm, the third, right? Or? I believe Titus is the first. Oh, I didn't know that. Is it really? I, You know what? I'm going to Google it. So Go ahead. Vamp while I Google do because do I feel do like... Do. Yes. Uh, we love a vamp. Moment. This is your moment, <laughs> this is David. A vamp. Yeah, should vamp <laughs> away. This is, when, this, this is when it's like the, yes. the dancing popcorn comes on the screen <laughs> and we have like, let's all go to the movie. Let's all go... You know. Intermission. But... But while, while we vamp, yeah. I do see, because it did come before Romeo and Juliet, yeah. right? Oh, yes, yes. So yes, I definitely certainly. see, like, some of those, I mean, there's... It is his, uh, considered his second play. Okay, great. That's so, what I thought, how many is his first So I, there is, uh, there's some dispute over the chronology. I sure. want to acknowledge that. But yes. yes, it is certainly early. <laughs> I would say also that, like, they, I mean, the scenes um, where... He sees um, Sylvia. Sylvia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a minute. She, no. She has so well, much personality. How could I you know. Her name? She has like she's two lines. Dim and she's bigger. Beautiful. And when he sings and underneath, she's, she's rich. Exactly. Come on. When he sings underneath her trifecta. balcony. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of colorings of Romeo and Juliet. Mm. Um, the sort of love at first sight aspect yeah. of it. I mean, you know, Shakespeare's. You speak on the thought. <laughs> There's yeah. no subtext if you want to argue that. So that immediacy of love um, that is so prevalent, especially with Proteus, um, that feels like a very much of a throw to, to Romeo and Juliet. Um, and I would also say that there's a little bit of like a taming of the shrew yeah. element, especially when it comes to like, ah, she's just no means maybe. Like yeah. that energy of... Of sort of, yeah, I would say that that's very, and and I would also say that, like, you know, as you like it, Twelfth Night, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with the, going the woman woods, going into the woods, cross-dressing into the woods, we cross-dress. Yeah, finding a nice place to happily <laughs> waste my time in it. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, I would say that there, there's definitely... Happily Waste My Time is also the name of my memoir. <laughs> Honey, me too. Catch me on Ninth Avenue. It's my um, Tinder bio. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, but, so I would say that there's a lot of that, um, which is, I think it's very interesting to look at those plays, especially uh, women who who disguise themselves as men yeah. to go after the one they love, Yeah, I think is a really interesting theme. And I think it's double interesting to have to do, as a male actor... Playing a woman, mm-hmm. playing a man, I think that's interesting and difficult and all the things, and I won't speak too much to that because that's not the role I played, but uh, I think that there's, you, you just add in a lot of themes there when you, when you put a concept like that on it. Yeah, yeah. I, I found it really interesting because I do feel like in his uh, later works that star a girl who dresses like a boy, that functions as like freeing her up to sort of speak her mind more and be a little more active in the yeah. plot. Whereas poor Julia doesn't really do much with that freedom and doesn't, I, I feel like even as a boy, she's still constrained by this like internalized misogyny where she's like, oh man, my boyfriend's in love with someone else. I'm sad. As opposed right. to like turning that into action. Uh, yeah, th- that just feels like something that Shakespeare over the years got to a point of like, 
ooh, I could maybe do more with my female characters. Yeah, like look at look at freedom. Rosalind. Yeah. I mean, for God's sake, she becomes like so powerful. She finds so yeah. much power in that position. Yeah. Um, that she really finds a voice that I think lends itself to the reason why she's one of the arguably, I would argue, the best Shakespearean female characters. Yeah. Because she finds this inner strength and she never really loses it. Yeah. And she gets married, but she's, but he, I mean, Orlando is so sweet. Yes. <laughs> I know we're talking about two gents yeah. here, but Orlando, if you're out it's there, right, my number is five, 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 five. <laughs> um, Carve it into a Yeah, right. I mean, so I think that that's all to say that you, yeah. you see how things got different and yeah. maybe better over the years. Yeah. And you see how his later cross-dressing female characters sort of like, kind of become more gender fluid yeah. themselves like especially Rosalind I, she like she and Orlando basically fall in love with her as a man yeah Orlando Loki loves Ganymede yeah 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 which like does she come out at the end in a tuxedo instead of a wedding dress you know who's to say um, and, and that doesn't really happen in two gents like he's more like he's I mean uh, Juliet is an or, or Julia Juliet uh, what play <laughs> Julia as a as a man is sort of a prop. Yeah. I mean, in in the scenes with Proteus, like she he is really just sort of there to deliver listen, and then it's not until Proteus leaves that Julia gets to have a moment and a monologue and and a, and a speech and sort of claim that voice. Yeah, it's it it does feel like he's using a lot of tropes that were probably fairly common in yeah. the theater and storytelling at the time and then later he kind of dismantles them and starts playing with and them. starts playing with them and having fun with them but this is very much him being like oh god i got two weeks to put this play together All right. right here you go yeah and also the i think in the play she's like i have to dress as a man so that thieves don't attack my honor or yeah. whatever right. yeah. so it, it, they don't really go further than that they're like yeah this is a means to none this is just how we get her to the other place uh -huh. where, the, where the other yeah. characters are <laughs> although it is interesting that like in this play as in as in the other uh, many of the other cross-dressing plays i guess except for portia who's like cross-dresses to be a kick-ass female lawyer um but uh everyone else it, it is like on some level for safety and like to avoid brigands but in this this play we see that the the brigands are so much less dangerous than like the gentleman right <laughs> who is, yeah who is the threat oh gosh isn't that interesting <laughs> yeah the, the well-bred man is actually the danger yep far dangerous than the men in the shadows sometimes isn't that life gentlemen are worse <laughs> yeah so i think i think it's very interesting especially in the rape culture mm -hmm. society we unfortunately reside in currently and always Unfortunately, yeah. forever. But we're talking about more and more. Mm -hmm. I think this is a very interesting play to look at. Um, and I don't know that there's a right way to do it. Yeah. No. I don't... Not. And I... You know, I don't know that there's a there's a perfect way to do it. It's one of the imperfect plays. It's yeah. one of the problem plays, yeah. if you will. Um, and I think that the best answer I came up with was just advocating for the characters in the best way you can without glossing over the nasty things mm -hmm. they do. Uh, a sort of give and take, yeah. if you will. Awesome. Well, I know we, we've brought up about a dozen other Shakespeare plays in this discussion. Sorry. Too, just, no, I was going to ask, <laughs> do you have a favorite Shakespeare play? Oh, gosh. Mm. You know what? What? I'm trying to think. <laughs> I mean, I... It's so cliche, mm -hmm. 
It's okay. But I love Romeo and Juliet. Yes. Yes. I, I think, I think so there's, there's so much to do there. And the reason it gets done is because there's always more to explore. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, I'm going to get really corny here for a minute because I'm feeling corny. a little romantic today. But Romeo yeah. and Juliet is like a good, warm summer night with a person you love. Aww. Like, it really is. Like, at its core, it's like a warm, soft summer night. And when it's done well, it's done well. It doesn't matter how many have passed. Like, if it's a good one, it's a good one. Mm-hmm. And there's just like a sort of like, yeah, there's just a sort of like softness yet fierceness to it. Yeah. Um, you know, the the, the the themes of love and, and youth are so soft and beautiful in it. And then it's, it's paired with violence and vengeance and anger and distrust and confusion and yeah it's just it's so good he's a good one it's unbeatable c'est bon it's so good <laughs> sweet well David do you have any projects that you'd like to plug to all of yes. us oh, all of our listeners to all of there. our one listener that we may <laughs> maybe have get out of here it's <laughs> me now our, yes. uh, I am actually a, a part of a web series that is about to drop um, the first episode's out now it's called The Queen's English and you can find it on YouTube sweet. and um the rest of the seven episodes will be out um, this summer. Great. So it's a sort of gay, I always spin it as like it's sort of a, a gay millennial sex in the city, yes. if you will. Oh, yes. Filled Love with, filled with gender and sexual fluidity and, you know, LGBTQA plus yes. goodness. Happy sweet. Pride. Happy Pride. Happy Pride, y'all. Come through. Yeah, sweet. I just outed when we recorded this. Who knows when you'll actually be listening, but yes. <laughs> Thank you so it's much. Always, it's always pride somewhere. Yeah. Honey, pride riot. Thank you yeah. so much for having me. Yes, thank, thank you, you for, for coming. Please. Yay. Thank you all for listening to our thoughts on the two gentlemen of Verona. Yes, we really appreciate it. Uh, if you like what you heard today, or even if you don't and you just want to do us a solid... Please go on iTunes or your podcasting yeah, app. If you like us as people, but yeah. you hate this show. Yeah, really really any combination of liking anything any, about us. Any emotions at all. you have towards us. Yeah, just do the five stars. Uh, give us a, a quick review if you like so other people can find it. Share this podcast with your friends. Yes, uh, follow us on Instagram at what underscore you underscore will underscore podcast or on Facebook at what you will podcast. And you can email us at whatyouwillpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, we would love to hear your thoughts on this or any episodes or on some things that you want us to discuss in the future. Join us next week when we discuss the, A th- different the three gentlemen of Verona. Yes. Get it? The gentlemen are multiplying. I uh, got gentlemen. They're multiplying. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> That was a grease joke. And I'm losing <laughs> control. We, I just feel like we're the the part where the car flies into the sun has just still not quite entered the national discourse in the way I want it to. Yeah, I want to be able to reference it without having to like backstory it. This I feel like this is a very grease relevant sh- uh, show play. Yeah, we could do an episode on on Greece and all of the many uh, find the Shakespeare archetypes. You've got like the fun. It, well, it's just really a pack of, like, groomios, isn't it? Because they're, like, all the fun friends. That was actually the original working title, but they were worried it wouldn't, wouldn't run. And then Sandy's got, like, 
read like Portia energy. I don't know what. Uh, no. no, like Helena energy. She's got like Julia she's got energy a little bit. A little bit a little Julia bit energy does. where she's like, "This my boyfriend hates me and tries to kick sand at me. I guess I got to change everything about myself <laughs> so that maybe he'll like me again." Yeah, perfect. I mean. I was like that in college What's too. What's Rizzo? So. Mariana, maybe? I don't know. Now we're getting obscure. Rizzo's like the the um, fun prostitute friend from All's Well That Ends Well. Oh, uh, you mean Diana? Yeah. <laughs> Florabelle? <laughs> Not a prostitute. So, whatever. She's... The courtesan. She's courtesan. <laughs> I'm sorry. She's killing it. She, she's, I'm proud, I'm proud of, of her. There's to make that... Yeah, email us about that. <laughs> no matter what. I'm sorry. Don't email us. Don't, don't add us. This is, you know. Don't look at us. This is just the ramblings of crazy women. And I love it. You're the one that I want. You, you are, are the, the one, one I want. want. Two, ooh, ooh, gentlemen. gentlemen. Couch, yeah, expository. The way you connected that to Shakespeare, I think it's like maybe the longest sentence I've ever heard. And I've read Faulkner. What would the they would they were like dust bunnies? They would fight them. I don't know. They would fight the dust bunnies who lived under the big comfy couch. Did they was she housebound to the to the cow? No, I think she goes outside. I think the couch is just like the centerpiece of her. That was the show where they go, who made this mess, right? And then they clean it up. That, I, I couldn't that's, tell you. That's really just in summation of my thoughts on Two Gentlemen of Verona. <laughs> who made, made this, this mess? mess? <laughs>